Hello and welcome to the Smells Like Infinite Sadness podcast. I'm your host, Michael Taylor. For those of you who don't know, I run the website, SmellsLikeInfiniteSadness.com. It's a blog covering the best alternative rock from the 80s and 90s up to present day. I'm a proud middle-aged Gen Xer who is still obsessed with the music of his youth and loves to talk about it. Today I'll be speaking to a very special guest. We'll be talking to Vinny Dombrowski, the frontman for Sponge. That's a band, of course, best known for their 90s alternative rock hits like Plow Molly and Wax Ecstatic. I spoke to Vinny about Sponge's current tour, what fans can expect as far as set lists are concerned. We also discussed his thoughts on the band's legacy, some of the covers they've been performing, the current state of rock and roll, and a lot more. So sit back and enjoy the interview. Afterwards, I'll be back to play some of my favorite Sponge songs. So you guys just wrapped up your rock and roll pub crawl in your hometown of Detroit. It looked like a really cool concept. How did that idea come about? Was that a lot of fun to do? Well, yeah, it's always a lot of fun. You know, I look back at some of the ads that we had done. I guess we've been doing this for about eight years. I think maybe the first one was in 2010. But, you know, I, I mean, I, I, when I look back, I think it all started. A lot of friends of ours own these smaller clubs, and they always want the band to play. And I just go, I don't know how we're going to play a gig like at, at a really small club. So we figured we'd get the buses together and, and play multiple small clubs in one night. So it kind of worked out for everybody. And now you guys have also been doing some national tour dates too. And of course you're headed to Austin this weekend, which I'm definitely excited about. Have you guys had some highlights so far or what's been your, the best part of the, the tour this year so far for you? Well, I certainly do uh, love uh, playing some different uh, songs. I mean, I certainly don't mind playing the, the, the big, hit sponge tunes or any of the deep cuts that we end up playing from the sponge catalog, but just adding these, uh, uh, tunes that, uh, have meant so much to us over the years, you know, Bowie songs, Iggy and some psych furs that, uh, it, it kind of brings a new kind of dimension to the, the group and the set. So that's a lot of fun. And it's, uh, it's just, uh, interesting to, bring something new to the table once in a while, even though and these aren't new songs, but us doing like a Bowie tune, I go, that's kind of different. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I was going to ask you about that too. I was looking at, at the set list you've been doing. And I think one thing that makes sponge to me so unique was you always were so eclectic. And even back in the nineties, you kind of stood out cause you had like, not just your, I know you have some influences from Detroit, but also you had the kind of the new wave influences, you know, with the psychedelic furs and, and Bowie and all that. And even some like seventies glam. So I was curious, were you was that kind of your idea from the beginning to kind of combine all those sounds together, or how did your musical style evolve to kind of encompass so many different sonic elements to, to, the, to the sound of Sponge? Well, I, I think that the the core of it would certainly be represented by what we're doing right now. Um, when I look back, as early as I can remember being influenced by music, it was certainly David Bowie, Diamond Dog era rock and roll, um, something that was almost otherworldly, so to speak. And I always looked for rock and roll to do that kind of thing, like take me to some other different place. Um, and certainly Iggy did that back in the day. When I think about seeing the psychedelic furs for the first time, I go, God, Richard Butler's like, like a Johnny Rotten meets David Bowie, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I think that this re- revisiting is almost a reminder of what really kind of started it all for me and made rock and roll interesting. And I just wanted to continue to do it. Uh, and, and, and even after all these years, still be motivated by it too. 
and then uh, speaking of your set list, I was looking that you're they're changing a pretty, you know, you're changing a pretty regularly night to night. It's not kind of the same old thing. Is that kind of fun to keep that fresh for you guys? And how how do you decide? I guess when do you decide each night? Like this is going to be the certain set list. How do you decide on on that night by night? Well, I wish I could tell you we've had a set list. Uh, I mean, we've probably gotten as close recently to a set list um, as we've gotten in years. And it's been kind of crazy because uh, we really haven't written set lists. Like if people see a set list on our stage, it, it's a it's got to be because we're playing you know, like the Roddy Pignano record or the Wax Ecstatic record. I think we wrote a set list for some of those gigs, but, you know, we might kind of stick to the set list for a minute and then completely steer away from it. And then it just negates the idea of having a set list altogether. Anyway, so <laughs> we have a set list. And, and, and we're taking fielding um, um, requests from the audience we're always interested to know what they want to hear and it never ceases to amaze me what they bring up and and it also lets us know what songs we might want to work into the set too which i go that's, that's pretty cool and i appreciate that that help well i know that um, i've got a lot of favorite sponge songs like a thousand times and drowning and penny wheels you got so many great songs but for me i think wax Static, even though it's one of your hits I, I love it so much i think it's got one of the coolest guitar riffs ever especially from from like the 90s and you wrote that you wrote that song by yourself, right? Is that that's solely credited to you? Is that correct? That song um, I wrote uh, one morning prior to going to the studio, and at um, some point along the way, um, recording guitar solos, probably in the outro of the tune, that riff came up, and it and it came up like in one progression, you know. Uh, and I was like, man, we got to take that and loop it, so we looped it and threw it in the intro of the tune. And that's pretty much the song, you know, uh, Joey Mazzola was playing the guitar solo at the time. And that, that's just how it all kind of came together. Just got such a great kind of warped kind of sound to it. I just, I love how that, how that came about. I like the word warped. I think it's probably one of the most annoying type of, uh, guitar riffs I've heard as well. So I got that going on for us. And then I know you guys put out album in 2016, the beer sessions. Have you guys been working on any new material that been putting into the set or been working on any new songs or how has, how has that been going so far? Well, yeah, we've been in the studio recording. Um, we did a song called fight your way out of the room, uh, which is it's probably on iTunes out there someplace, but, uh, we did do that. And it's probably the newest contribution that we put out. And, um, I want to get back into the studio to record a couple other songs, uh, but we have no real plans to record a record at the moment. The beer session record uh, was probably our, our, our closest attempt at, at putting out a whole record. Although initially we didn't plan on recording a record at that time either, but we made it interesting and fun for ourselves and for some of our brewer friends. So we ended up, uh, uh, it yielded a whole record, but it was very uh, unplanned. And I know that, you know, I, I read another interview with you recently where you were kind of talking about how music, the industry is basically, you know, bands have to tour now. You can't really count on the album sales anymore. Um, that's just kind of the, the business model now. Do you kind of miss the old system where record companies had more money to operate? Or do you like being able to be more autonomous? Or do you kind of think there's pluses and minuses to both to both approaches? Yeah, I think it, it, there certainly is a, a, a plus and minus to both. Although we've operated in a very independent way. Um, since the beginning of the group, 
we uh, had a great part of the Roddy Pinata record recorded before um, a label got involved with us. Um, having a label at that time was helpful, and that helped us finish the record and promote the record. But uh, fast forward, there's really little value in um, uh, like in the way of a royalty from a record these days. Where people find, I think, it beneficial is that when it's recorded, I mean, even though you may give it away, I think it motivates people to want to come and see your show. Um, and, and, and I think where a lot of groups uh, maintain these days is very similar to what we're doing. You're maintaining out there in the live market. Uh, that That's it. Uh, you know, where royal, record royalties and publishing used to come into play, it's not so much that anymore. It's pretty much the, the live thing. So uh, we can exist without a label. Um, we don't make the money from the uh, publishing uh, like we used to, but, but uh, the live thing, uh, you know, we got that. We know how to operate out there and we know how to do it well. So I think that the, it's the last frontier for us in many bands. So we're out there doing it. And I think that it seems like now rock and roll, you know, it used to be, it was such a more of a mainstream thing. And now it seems like it's kind of gotten more underground. I mean, we're kind of, unfortunately, there's pop music has gotten so popular and, and rock is, is become more kind of a niche thing. Do you think that that's, kind of makes it cooler as far as kind of an underground aspect of it, or do you think it might come back into more of a mainstream fashion or what's kind of your state as far as like, or your opinion of the current state of, of, of rock and roll? <laughs> well, what, one thing I do notice, and it's interesting you bring it up. I, I see uh, just an overwhelming lack of rock guitar anywhere anymore. Uh, you don't, you don't hear rock guitar um, in many of the modern pop tracks. It's uh it seems to have gone the way of the dodo. I mean, there's newer bands that certainly still play rock music with rock guitar, and I, I get all that. But as far as the mainstream goes, it just seems like anything that's mainstream lacks anything that you and I would call rock and roll guitar. Uh, so that's interesting. However, if it becomes so niche that it is cool again, I, I guess it, it could uh, benefit us down the road because, you know, that's pretty much all we do. <laughs> <laughs> And then you've also got two other bands, uh, Crud and the Orbitsons. And uh, how do you balance playing in those bands and Sponge? And are you working in music for them as well, or how, how do you kind of juggle those three different aspects of the of your of your uh, work? Well, I guess it's, it's it's probably easier than it sounds. With Crud, you know, we play once or twice a year. We've been out there doing multiple dates in the past, but that's just the, the complete. Uh, labor of love doing the band it's always fun to get together and play a gig or two when we do and the orbitsons when um i'm not on the road with sponge i you know i just love to write music and play that music and the orbitsons are a perfect vehicle for that i can get out there in smaller clubs or bigger festivals either one and, and you get out there and, and keep playing um yeah between sponge gigs it's always a lot of a lot of fun and you guys are gonna be in Austin this Sunday, as I mentioned before. It's been a while since you guys have played here, right? I think it's been a, it's been a few years since you guys have. Are you glad to be able to come back? Is it fun to revisit Austin? And what are your thoughts on that? Austin is always fantastic. I, I think one of the last times or last couple of times we came through was you know, like South by Southwest, probably two thousand. I got to get this kind of correct. Let's see. It could have been 2007, 
2006, something like that. And we may have played a club along the way um, shortly after that. But, um, you know, I, I always enjoy coming to Austin, have a great time coming to the town. Love to spend more time there, but uh, it's always hit and run, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I can imagine you guys got a pretty packed schedule. Is there anything you, you can, as far as hint at what might be playing in Austin, or are you going to be just off the cuff and just kind of wait and see, or anything you can, I guess, hint at for people to do? Uh, you have in store for anything special, I guess, anything special for Austin? Well, what I think, and there's been some confusion out there, and I don't know whether it's because of my agent or the promoters, but sometimes they um, promote the gigs as uh, Sponge playing the entire Rodney Pinata record or the entire Wax Ecstatic record. Um, so because of all that, I mean, we're, we're pretty much prepared to play almost anything off of those two records. Um, and again, no set list, um, the under the, the influence concept will definitely be playing some Bowie and some Iggy and some furs. Um, and beyond that, like just the other night at the pub crawl, um, again, I'll, requested a thousand times and somebody requested I am Anastasia. And so we would just bust into those tunes. Um, and it's a lot of fun because typically, you know, those songs aren't, they're not on the list, but if somebody requests them, we will play them or death of a drag, you know, we'll bust out and play that. So there's no telling what would come up. It just depends on what the crowd's in, in for, you know, and what we can deliver. We feel we can deliver a deep cut off of one of those records. Uh, in a decent way, we're going to do it. So it's it's all over the map. Oh, I always really like the thousand times. I think New Pop Sunday is a, a very underrated album. I don't know if you feel that way, but I always felt that that was album should have got a little more exposure than, than the other Sponge albums. It just has such a kind of a cool sound and it, lots of diversity to it. Do you think that? I know the alternative music was very heavily promoted, but it seems like towards the end of the '90s there was kind of like a shift away from that, looking towards more like boy bands and kind of rap metal. Do you think that? New Pop Sunday kind of got lost in the shuffle because of that, or do you feel there was that that was kind of a shift in the music industry that you noticed at the, at that time? Yeah, it was a major shift. That's a good call on your part because I distinctly remember having this discussion with a friend of mine that was a uh, uh, program director at a radio station back then, and uh, when New Pop came out, uh, my buddy told me he said, "What's happening now with radio stations is they are." moving towards a uh, these consulting firms that they deal with that basically um, tell them what they need to play based on their their um, demographic. So if your song doesn't fit that particular demographic, then uh, they're not going to play it. And it, it, it's very different than when alternative radio was really young and, and what the stations were playing was all over the map. It could have been the Red Hot Chili Peppers or Jane's Addiction to Guns N' Roses, you know, it's just all over the map. And they were really getting niche with what they were playing, you know, with the uh, more, uh, like you said, rap rock, these types of things that were happening and beginning to really kind of uh, push a whole nother style of radio forward. And yeah, it was a big shift at that time. Soundgarden was breaking up and the Smashing Pumpkins were done for a while. And mm-hmm. yeah, it seemed like it was kind of closing the door on the 90s. And I guess, you know, that since you guys are still going strong, what is your favorite thing about, about still, I mean, cause you're really the, the sole remaining member in Sponge. You've kept it going for such a long time. What's, what's kind of your favorite aspect of keeping the band going? And what's, you know, what does Sponge, I guess, basically mean to you as far as a legacy is concerned? What, what do you think about that 
as far as your personally to you? I think that why it's uh, gratified just with the idea that we can keep it going is we can still go out there and have fun. We're not phoning it in, and that that means a lot to me. Uh, the guys that uh, are with me have been with me for you know fifteen years, sixteen years, and uh, just for the fact we can still go out there and enjoy it and have fun together doing it that 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 is huge and uh the legacy of the thing we're able to put out records and music and we do it because we want to do it we love to do it and i think that if the legacy means anything to me it certainly is underscored by the fact that we're doing it for the right reasons is there anything else you want to add as far as what you know, about the tour anything else you guys have coming up or anything you wanted to say to the fans as far as what else they can expect for us the tour or anything like that? oh geez man the fans you know of course thank you for their undying support uh, of this thing it's been a hell of a journey and it's a journey we're going to continue and, and um they can see what we're doing sponsor the band.com or you know i certainly always need to mention our website when we do thank the fans the go back there and find out what we're doing, where we will be. So uh, we'll be out there. We'd love to see any of our fans out there coming from anywhere on the planet uh, to Austin on, on Sunday. All right. And there's one last question I have. I I know that over the years, you've gotten lots of uh, you know, people asking if, if Molly's about 16 candles. And he said, of course, that's not the case. It just kind of happened as kind of this natural kind of serendipity of people kind of, you know, using those things together. But when you think about that song, or plowed or wax ecstatic and, and kind of the staying power of those songs. What do you think, I guess of that era when Splinter was going in the, in the, in the nineties, what do you think about that? Why that era was so special and those songs have lasted such the test of time. That decade is, is you know, really kind of held dear by so many fans, especially my age or even younger. Yeah, I think again, I think, I think it's seemed that anybody was making music then was making music for the sake of making music. And, when we were releasing songs like Plowed, um, Detroit Radio was populated by Zeppelin and ACDC and Boston and Journey and Foreigner and that kind of stuff. And so Plowed didn't seem to have the um, the makeup of what a radio song was. And Plowed has had incredible radio staying power to this day so were we sitting around going this is going to be a mega huge hit <laughs> and the answer was the answer was no uh we just thought oh, this, is, this is cool and then you're on to the next song well this this is cool you know so it didn't it didn't quite fit anything that we were hearing on the radio at that time and i think there were a lot of great bands that were bubbling up whether it was through college radio or even alternative radio, lots of bands doing lots of great different kinds of music. And I think those bands felt the same way we did, which was, you know, we're doing this because this is something different for us and it's a lot of fun. And I think that's why that music was so special. It didn't seem like there were, you know, song writing teams like you have today. You have, eight different songwriters on a song <laughs> and these songs certainly can be big songs, but that's not how we operated back then. Um, you know, Chris Cornell was not sitting with a team of dudes other than the guys in his band writing songs and Allison chains were 
writing songs with Alice in Chains. They didn't have eight other dudes from, you know, all the other walks of life writing songs with them. So I think that because of that, the music has had to stay in power. Because it seems like it's music that was written by the people for the people. Mm-hmm. And, and I know you're mentioning you're doing the David Bowie cover, and you just mentioned Chris Cornell. When we lose talent like that, does that have a personal effect on you? Because I know you, I think you guys toured with Soundgarden, right? And of course, Bowie is such a big influence on you. When that happens, I know that when Bowie passed away, I was particularly taken aback by that. How did that impact you personally when you found out that he passed away, or, or when Chris Cornell passed away, you know, so untimely? Well, you know, when Bowie passed away, it was uh, it really. I'm going to put it, it was, I mourned over that only because somebody like Bowie being such a undeniable influence and you really start to see it underscores the passing of time. Mm -hmm. And and it's the irony is for somebody that was timeless, you know, Bowie was just relevant and that's where it was very difficult too because I really loved the the Black Star record. I, I thought it was, you know, even in the videos he did, he it, they were not pretty videos. He wasn't trying to be pretty. It was just Bowie being one thousand percent Bowie. And on the flip of the coin, he's dead. You just go, oh my god, the, the, that record with to me was so alive and it was artistic and it was Bowie. And now Amazing. he's gone same bat of the eye and I couldn't stop listening to the record not because Bowie was gone just just like man these these tunes you know Lazarus or um the um the horror tune um Uh you know it's just I go this stuff is just killing me and I love the band that he assembled to to do that record and when Cornell passed you know I um uh, I certainly felt frustrated yeah, there was a, uh, just a lot of frustration with that one. You know, Chester Bennington and, and um, uh, Scott Whelan, um, you know, these, these things just frustrate the, the hell out of me. And Iggy said it right many years ago, the, the, this thing that we do rock and roll, it's dangerous for the practitioner. And, and, and I think people should never forget how true that is. People look at you like you've hit the lottery or doing a rock band and you know, rock star and all this kind of bullshit. But um at the end of the day it uh, there's a lot of things that uh, the trappings of success, so to speak. So it's it's very frustrating. Very different thing with Bowie and Chris Cornell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, frustration, anger, you know, I'm just like <laughs> and just completely puzzled, you know what I mean? So I just am just uh, and hurt. So yeah, it just seemed like he had so much left to, to offer. You, you wonder why, but there really are there any answers that we can ever, I guess, discern from that, unfortunately. Correct. Yep. And then as far as Molly is concerned, you know how the lyrics, people kind of took their own kind of, you know, bent on that, even though it wasn't your intention. Do you kind of like how that happens though with people kind of, that they take the lyrics and make it their own, so they have it kind of their own, you know, take on a song, even though you didn't write it in that particular fashion? Does that kind of fascinate you? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people do, and I think that's what's cool about music anyway. You can kind of insert your own experience into it. It seems to fit for some reason, you know, but my only regret with that uh, song and or the video, Molly Ringwald wanted to be in the video when the song came out, and 
course, we were too cool for school, then we thought it'd be silly, so we didn't do it. But <laughs> looking back, I think we should have included her in the video, man. It would have been great. <laughs> well, I think that wraps up all my questions. So I definitely look forward to seeing you guys on Sunday. We'll be there. So I can't wait to see you guys play live. And thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today. It's been a real pleasure. Well, I'm glad we got the phone line working, Michael. And yeah, me too. Let's grab a beer after the gig, man. Sounds good to me. All right, thanks so much. See you guys on Sunday. Great to talk to you. Take care. Bye. A big thanks to Vinny for taking the time out to talk today. It was a pleasure getting to talk to him. As he mentioned earlier, you can check out all things Sponge related by going to their website, spongetheband.com, for tour dates and more. If you're in Austin, be sure and check out the show this Sunday at Come and Take It Live. Should be a lot of fun. And as promised, I'll be closing the show by playing some of my favorite Sponge songs. If you're listening via Anchor FM and have Spotify, you can check those out. And be sure and check back next week when I'll be talking to James Stevenson, a guitarist who's played with everyone from Billy Idol to The Cult to Gene Love Jezebel, and The Alarm, and so many more. He's done a lot of great stuff. Should be really fun to talk to him and get his insight into his musical career. So until then, take care and talk to you soon.